you might know if we're live before I do because this is the way this thing. Do you, are you seeing a live thing? Because I'm not seeing it. Yet. I'm seeing live, and it says BBC. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it always like uh, makes me laugh when my guest is the one who says, "Hey, by the way, we're live." As I look over, and I'm the one who started it, and it still isn't live yet. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to take my guest's word and say we are live. I am Brent Leary. This is the BBC. Not that BBC, not the one that all the royal folks are mad at right now. This is the Brent Broadcasting Channel. And uh, with me today, with me right now, is someone I've known. I think we're going back around the 2008, 2009 time frame or something like that. A little earlier. A little earlier. Even, even earlier than that, when he was uh, building communities for the small business people that Intuit. He is Scott Wilder. He is currently the head of engagement and community for HubSpot. Thank you for joining me, man. It's been uh, it's been way too long. You should have been. We should have done this before. Now I take full responsibility. <laughs> I've been waiting, man. I've been waiting for the invite. No, but the last time I saw you was in a, a bar <laughs> in San Francisco. So um, I don't have any drinks here now, but uh, maybe uh, sooner than later we can do that. But it's great to see you again. Absolutely. You know, I, I kind of feel like whenever Wilderville is is on the map here, we. There should be some kind of imbibing going on, but maybe next time. We'll do it next time. <laughs> so we I wanted to have you on because let me no, I'm gonna share something later. I, I, I wanted to talk about community and particularly at this time, the role of community in, in building a company and building a, a customer experience organization. But You've been doing communities, let's say, let's just let me name some of the brands that you've been involved with. I know you spent some time at Apple. I know you spent some time at Intuit. I know you spent some time at Google. I know you spent some time at Adobe and Marketo. And like I said, now you're at HubSpot. I know I'm missing some of the, like Udacity. Were you at there? I was at Udacity and Coursera and uh, still only 20 years old. So we uh, <laughs> get all in in a short time frame. All right. So needless to say, you've been around, you've gotten around and you've done around a lot around community. So just as a general thought, uh, how has community building changed from those early days when you were like five years old building communities for some of these big brands to where it is today? What, has it changed? Any? And if so, what have been some of the biggest, more meaningful changes to building communities? Yeah, you know, I tend to think of these things in terms of generations. And um, if you put kind of the prodigies and, you know, um, listservs and, AO, and early AOL and CompuServes aside, um, the first generation of kind of community on the web involved, like the well, for example, where Howard Rheingold was involved and um, a, few, a few other folks. Um, and a lot of the principles in terms of good engagement, you know, getting the community to lean in, user-created content, those are still the same. Right. So that was like the first generation. I think I'd like to think of myself as the second generation. I often um, shout out to Bill Johnson. He's also in my generation. I think now we're in the third generation, um, maybe the third inning. So I know since I know we all like baseball. So I think a lot of the core principles are the same. What's changed is right now at this moment, because of the pandemic, because of the creator economy, communities become more in the spotlight. And they're not at the C-level table yet, um, but they're definitely 
getting a strong voice. And then I think the second thing that's changed is um, more and more people are leaning into analytics and the ROI. Secondly, I think people are leaning into thinking of community almost like as a product, how it's integrated and embedded into the whole customer experience. And then I think the last thing would be, um, you know, a lot of companies are thinking about becoming a media company. We can talk more about that later on. And so, you know, what role does community play in that? But at the end of the day, the principles are the same, you know, trust the customer, give them a seat at the table when you're co-creating, um, you know, engagement is important, but relying on the community to respond, uh, user created content, you know, audio, audio is new as well, but, uh, you know, some would argue that, you know, discord has been around for a little bit. So, uh, audio has been around. Cool. All right. So I'm going to pop something up. Uh, that came out of a kind of a recent conversation that I had. Uh, was that like kind of late last year, early this year? I can't remember. I so many conversations that kind of blur together, but they're always good. But I want to pop this up because this came from a buddy, Scott B. Chuck, who I met when he was at Salesforce, but currently he's he's actually a partner at uh, Norwest Venture Partners. So he's on the VC side of the house. But I love this quote, customers review, uh, customer reviews drive intelligence and create better transactions. And with things moving online more quickly, the idea of community becomes incredibly more important in terms of how companies and retailers have had to transform. So my question, let me bring us back on here. So my question is, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what role does community and development of communities play in digital transformation? And has the pandemic change the the definition or to change the role that community plays in digital transformation so community plays a tremendous role um because it's a great opportunity to get customer feedback it's a great opportunity to co-create like how many times you know I'm a, I'm a corporate guy i know you know you're in a different space but how many times in the corporate world have we sat at the table sat at a whiteboard mapped out the customer journey but there's no customers in the room Right. So, you know, I was saying earlier to somebody that uh, in my staff meetings, we used to first put an empty seat at the table for the customer and then we just invited customers. But there's so many times you're mapping it out. So how can you do this digital transformation without customers and a great way to access that, you know, the, the wisdom of the crowd, an older term, a great way to access it is through community. So I think that's, you know, kind of two key things. And then the pandemic. It's interesting because the pandemic has accelerated a lot of things, you know, virtual events, et cetera, et cetera. But we're also kind of seeing a rebalancing right now. You know, what I'm saying is that what I mean is that, um, you know, um, Clubhouse has seen a slight decline in engagement, right? So people leaned in so much because they had to and they really wanted to reach out to folks and community and online events. It's great to do that. But now in terms of digital transformation, it's kind of like we're stepping back and kind of reevaluating that thing called offline as well, because that's that can play a role, you know, in this whole kind of evolving experience. Yeah, the, we actually you bring up offline. Uh, you introduced me to Derek. Uh, oh, my gosh. I don't I want I don't want to get his last day wrong. Well, over at Bevy, is it not Derek yeah. Alexander, is it? No, Derek. So Derek, yeah, Derek's the CEO. Yeah. So he, you know, you're the one to introduce me to him. And, you know, they, their whole model is built on kind of this hybrid approach to, well, first of all, it's a community platform and they've integrated and, and it was built to support 
face-to-face grassroots kind of uh, event. But with the pandemic, they immediately were able to create a platform that integrates online and offline, which I think is, is going to be a great thing in the next couple of years to build on top of something like that. Um, but when you think of, you know, the traditional way that companies look at digital transformation and most of the time it was like, all right, how do we automate processes? How do we make them more efficient? How do they make them more, you know, kind of agile to be able to change with the conditions? Because let's face it, everybody, everybody got hit over the head, you know, with the overnight switch that, you know, came with the pandemic. People are used to shopping for groceries at markets, pandemic hit, everything closed down. Then they had to go from going to a store to shopping for groceries online, things like that. Um, are you seeing more consideration to take into consideration the community impact of you know the actions that take place or the things that are important from a transformational uh, kind of aspect? Are you seeing that much kind of thought starting to seep in at the high level for community as a part of, or in a, I guess, just in comparison to the individual customer, but actual what's good for the community? How does that you know, impact kind of the ecosystem around the company? Is it gotten to that point yet where they're really focusing highly on what the community brings to the table? Yeah, it's, again, I'm speaking from a kind of larger company perspective. Um, so, you know, I was saying earlier to somebody that uh, at Intuit, we had to force it a little bit in terms of forcing community into the DNA of the company, and all the different groups. And the way we did that was we actually moved community every six months to different groups. Um, most companies will not do that. So mm. most companies community will be either in support or marketing or evolve from support. So you really have to push it a little bit. That's where my New York behavior comes in, be a little pushy and, you know, say that community can really help other parts of the business. And I think in a larger company, it's still it's still a little bit of a challenge, right? So you still need to meet with these teams and bring them along and, and educate them. Um, everybody, you know, the companies I work at, everybody wants to do the right thing and contribute in community. But there's definitely, you know, this education process of how community can help product, how community can help customer success, how community can help support. Um, and, you know, I think that Community is uh, it's definitely a cross-functional sport, um, and it definitely involves different teams, and you can have different models to get those different teams involved. So one of the models that we use, I'll call it the uh, editorial model, kind of like after a newspaper, where the community team is a core team. Uh, they sit in marketing, but then they have these editors or key contacts in different parts of the company who can help out with the community initiatives. And then from a newspaper perspective or edit a web publishing perspective because no one reads newspapers anymore um you can think of it as you know that person in support um, can be analogous to the um the business section editor the person in product can be analogous to the sports editor so all getting all these people at the table right so you need to get them at the table even if it's virtually to get them involved so let's talk about another kind of <laughs> I, I kind of build on these conversations. So I also recently had a conversation uh, around subscriptions and it was with uh, Katrina Gosick over at, at Oracle. And one of the things uh, as a company begins to kind of 
move to a subscription model or at least add a subscription offering to their traditional, you know, kind of you know, traditional buy stuff offering um, is the idea that churn becomes a much more important metric. Uh, being able to keep a customer month over month to maybe just pays every month and you have to show and prove every month that your product or service is important enough to them to re-up every month. So churn becomes more important than all, I won't say more important, but maybe as important, maybe it is more important uh, than just going out and trying to find new customers all the time. That seems to fit a community model better. Are, are you starting to see as companies make a shift to a subscription model they do focus more on a community to help them with a churn situation? That's a great question. So I think it's to help the churn, but also um, to maximize those dollars from a company or from a customer as well, right? So it's just another, uh, I'll call it above the line. So above the line is just maximizing the revenue that's generated. Um, and so community could be introducing people to um, other services you have, other products you have. We, you know, our product portfolio is increasing pretty rapidly. Um, and then, you know, obviously, there's below the line that everybody talks about in terms of support deflection. We tend to look at, um, uh, we obviously look at churn. And so, you know, going to your point about churn, you know, we might say that um, we'll look at churn in terms of our customers that are churning in the relationship and community, or we'll look at customers who potentially could churn and see what they're doing on the community. And then we can also say that, you know, if, if somebody comes on the community and they're using, say, our marketing hub, but they're kind of like talking to other customers about the support hub or the service hub, that's an opportunity for a cross-sell. I want to go to my buddy, Alan Bergson over at Freshworks. He has an interesting question. Too often community leadership is vendor driven. How do you engage, encourage, support customers and community leadership? So does that mean that when he says vendor driven, mean okay, so does, does he mean, Alan, do you mean that we're HubSpot, so um, we're basically trying to um, highlight our products more, or do you mean that the, the choruses and inside it and et cetera are playing I'm, a leadership role? I'm going to speak for Alan, which yeah. is kind of a dangerous thing to do. Uh, but I'm going to think, I, I think he's saying maybe generally speaking, a lot of vendors start communities with specific ulterior motives and trying to drive the community to do certain things that the company wants instead of kind of building a space for community to actually organically share the thoughts and concerns that are important to them. And so how do you, how does a vendor go about making sure that they act with the community, you know, at the center, as opposed to with the kind of what the vendor wants to get from the community at its center? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, mean, I think it's, you know, it starts at the top and really the community leaders have to work with the C-level to say like, this is, you know, if you give customers room to talk about what's important to them and have them help each other, then everybody's gonna benefit from that. Um, so you need a strong, you know, a strong leader who realizes that, you know, you really do need to be customer first um, and it's, it's not easy, you know, through, as I go through my journey, some companies have done a better job. There's one company I worked with in the past where 
you know, to be transparent, one of the reasons I moved on is because all of a sudden they wanted to start selling off the community, right? So that wasn't really in the spirit of getting people together, like-minded people and having them, you know, interact with each other and help each other grow. <laughs> you can see you got, got, got some of your New York buddies and Donnie is definitely a community guy who is, I think he's even like a, a, a Mets and a Jets fan too, which, you know, shout out to that, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Yankee fan. I know, I was going to really say, Donnie, you're kind of, you're, you're half good with the community stuff, not the sports stuff. Anyway, um, you know, uh, let me ask you, is it just on kind of on average, is it more difficult to build a thriving community today than before like a decade ago it seems like you know there were things that you know there was twitter and facebook were kind of just taking root more like 12 to 15 years ago on that one um so there was there was that kind of challenge of how do you integrate or how do you get people you know they kind of come over to your community from the major communities but now when you think about it it's like you've got you know, those guys are still thriving. You've got things like Clubhouse. You've got live streaming. There's everybody's live streaming now. There's so many different ways to uh, get people's attention. Is it harder today to build a community and keep people engaged now than it was when you you know back in the day, 10, 12, 15 years ago? Yeah. So back in the day, it was harder to get resources for community. Mm. Right. Now you get the resources, but to your point, there's definitely more noise right out there. And so then you need to think through, you know, are you going to take kind of a hub and spoke model of trying to participate in those other communities or other social networks and bring people to the site? You know, you need to think through your, your strategy for that, but there's definitely a lot of noise. And so then the question is, you know, what is the added value, you know? And so in HubSpot's case, you know, we have, the academy so we can think through about how we integrate integrate educational content and i know you know there was just a comment about education there danny um you know so thinking about education content thinking about like what other kind of media that you can bring to the table as well so it's definitely a lot of noise you just have to say you know this is going to be a place where you can interact with people who are dealing with the same sort of problems um in a secure environment so that's the other thing too right so you know i mean facebook you know at the end of the day people are still going to facebook but there's definitely skepticism out there about you know how safe my information is yeah you know, i think and also um in this interesting trend i believe it's a trend and be, you know i'd love the the other folks to, to kind of comment on it is you know these like-minded people want to gather in smaller groups right so instead of having this huge discussion on facebook there's actually a trend, you know, accelerated by the pen, maybe by the pandemic of smaller groups, maybe 100, 200 people getting together in these spaces. And so a lot of these community platforms really optimize for that. So, um, I wanted to go back to Donnie. Would love to hear your pitch to overcoming executive fear of what customers will say in community. That's one of like an age old concern, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Let me get my presentation out from uh, 1998. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny. When I was um, at another company, I don't want to say the company's name, I was at the C-level table. And uh, 
the founder of the company said to everybody, like, what do you think? Should Scott launch this community? Should Scott get the money to do this community? And he went around to each of his um, direct reports, and only one person expressed fear of what we're talking about now, and that was the head of corporate communications. Um, and so the head of corporate communications said, uh, you know, I'm really worried about what people are going to say on the site, especially employees. And I thought the CEO had a great answer. He said, so you're concerned about the people you hired and what they're <laughs> going to say on community. <laughs> so from an employee perspective, you know, you hire these people, you definitely should have guardrails and, and, you know, guidelines for them. In terms of the rest of the world, that's where moderation comes in. And you really need to, you know, really highlight for the C level, like the things you can do to prevent that. Uh, knock on wood, there's been very few instances in my career, you know, my career where I've had that be a problem. But I think for the C level, you can say, you know, we have moderation, you know, we have um, guidelines and guardrails in terms of, you know, um, you know, the rules of the road and things like that. Um, you know, there's trust. And by the way, you know, what it comes down to is, if you're worried about them saying, if you're worried about customers saying something bad in your community, then just know they're going to go someplace else, <laughs> right? They're going to go to Twitter and they're going to go to Facebook or whatever. So if it's in your backyard, at least you can get to it quickly. Uh, that's a good way to say it. At least it gives you an opportunity to respond, you know, in an in, in in area that is not globally universal yet. But of course, if, if you don't handle it in your community, it'll be a broader one that uh, so what's been the most surprising if there is a kind of a new twist or a new thing to consider uh, what's been like a surprising development in community growing I mean you've done it so you know in so many different places and you've done it with different kinds of companies like you know and, and, and funnily HubSpot is like a, comp a company that a lot of people because of the, all the great content over the years I still run into people who did say, you know what? I didn't even know HubSpot have a platform because they had all this great content. So it's like HubSpot is a different kind of company than some of the other ones you've had in the past. Are you finding any kind of uh, like a new trick or a new twist uh, to, you know, kind of a, a developing a community or approach the community that uh, you hadn't seen before the, the last couple of years? Or is it still like, hey, man, this is all the same from a theoretical standpoint? Just tactically, it may be different. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say it's, it's all the same. Um, I think that a lot of the themes, as I mentioned earlier, um, exist today that existed, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I do think it's really interesting what's going on with audio. Um, and I'm a big, big fan of audio. Um, and then I also think it's really interesting the, that there's several companies out there now that are trying to build these kind of CRMs for community and integrate different content, you know, whether it's Common Room, whether it's uh, Comsor, uh, whether it's Orbit.love. I, I, I'm really interested in that because I think we've all wrestled with that over time. You know, I think two or three times in my career, I've kind of like tried to build that on my own, you know, um, but now somebody else is doing that. Um, so really taking, I think the trend of, this is what's happening in my community. How do I integrate it with the other discussions which you alluded to going on on the internet? And going beyond just get a listening behavior, like how all of a sudden can I engage across all these platforms from one dashboard? Are, are companies 
and I know you know you work at one, but just generally speaking, are you seeing companies wanting to have their own community that they manage themselves, or are they more open to finding something that they you know, like being able to integrate with the, more of the bigger communities and leveraging the bigger community to kind of you know build a relationship off of that as opposed to having their own to kind of manage? Everybody wants a community today. If you go to LinkedIn and look at the job listings, not that I ever do that, but if you go to look at LinkedIn and look at the job listings, it's, you know, community is a, is a hot, hot job opportunity right now. So everybody wants to create their own community. And I think, you know, it's to your point though, hopefully they won't take the eye off their ball, eye off the ball and still focus on these other extended communities or communities beyond, you know, uh, LinkedIn, et cetera. I do think an interesting question is, do you try and participate in all these communities? Like, so the other thing I see is in these job descriptions and also when I was, you know, consulting um, earlier is that, you know, they'll have a social media community person and then you look at the job description and that person has to be on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, uh, you know, all these different uh, areas. So I think narrowing scope is, is definitely needed. So you talked about how you, you, you're liking the, I don't like the term social audio. I actually like Clubhouse, but they just say drop-in audio. So, drop in. so, uh, so it sounds like you like that. What about video? What about streaming? Where, where does that fit into your kind of the mix okay. of tools? You know, it's a great point because I feel like we we always forget video. Like there's so many uh, SEO folks I work with, and it's all Google, 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 and then you're like, well, what about YouTube, right? You know. So I think video, yeah. It's, it's a great point. I think video is not, doesn't get enough, um, enough of the focus. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why that is, you know, I don't claim to have all the answers, but you know, people lean into text. Um, but there's obviously a whole generation that's, you know, that does a lot of video and video on their phone, et cetera, things like that. So I think video, you're right on video is a huge opportunity. I mean, it's great to see this on, you know, LinkedIn and, and maybe Facebook. Um, I expect a big wave of you know people doing video and um, on on LinkedIn. It's kind of like all of a sudden LinkedIn must have highlighted their poll functionality. So right now everybody's doing polls. So um, I would love to see people lean in more with video. I think it's it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I think it's like not just like what we're doing here, but even like TikTok. I mean, the growth of TikTok with video. I'm hearing like. People in their, you know, in the AARP crowd working at an enterprise talking about how do we figure out how to integrate, you know, TikTok into our engagement strategy, you know, Twitch. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like pretty amazing yeah. what's going on. And a lot of that is is video driven, although I think you're right. It seems like the focus from most of the business side is on this drop in audio, which I guess is easier uh, to do. And you can do a lot of it, you know, just have a phone and you're talking to it what's what's easier than that but it seems like there's a lot of stickier engagement from video and it's not just live stream it's it could be these short form form videos that go up i mean even on stuff i do a two minute clip can can get like over 20 hours of total viewing minutes and and some of this stuff on on a business social network versus like let alone what's going on on youtube and yeah things like uh uh, TikTok and things like that. Yeah, no, exactly. So Marketo, we had some success with this um, when I worked at Marketo of having user-created videos on the branded community. But if you go to all these branded communities and 
and I feel like a mind sweeper every night. I go to 10 and, you know, kind of look at what's going on there. Very, very small percentage is video. Um, and so I think, you know, like how to, especially, you know, I'm in the software business. You know, I grew up on Highway 101 in Silicon Valley with you know, working with tech companies. So many how-tos and demos can be done with video, right? But instead, you know, we have people who are like hammering on the keyboards, writing these long explanations. So it could be just how people are processing information. Hopefully that will, or that will probably change over time as this, you know, a younger world comes up and is more comfortable with um, creating videos. Let me go back to Donnie again. Once again, Donnie's over at Altura. So he's going wild there. He's right up the alley there. Uh, has the community approach to B2B versus B2C, has that converged or is there still a lot a, a, enough differences to think of them as totally separate kind of things? Yeah, so I look at it as um, you're still, it's, it's human beings that you're trying to get involved in the community. But I think B2C sometimes leans first into the more emotional uh, belonging approach, whereas a B2B leads into more the information, getting somebody an answer approach. But I think on the front end, it's pretty much the same. Now the back end is really interesting. So from a CRM perspective, um, and very, very few companies I think are doing this, is you know, you're looking at the community user, you're looking at community engagement at the user level. But why not look at, you know, take your ABM playbook and look at at the, the enterprise level or the account level or the customer or the company level. And then there's a lot of things you can do on the back end in terms of engage, you know, engagement and getting information to your customer success team, to your other team, your support team um, in the company. So I think for, to answer your question, it's a great question on the, on the front end. It's more or less the same. The back end, I think, is where the magic is. What about the, the level of importance for community from a B2B versus a B2C perspective? I think a lot of people would say, you know, kind of knee-jerk reaction would be, it's absolutely more important on a B2C side. But is that true? Or is it getting closer to being almost as important for B2B versus B2C? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm dodging the, the bullet, dodging the question a little bit here. I think it depends on the type of company you're at, um, how important it is. Like, you know, HubSpot's leaning in heavily into community. Marketo, you know, the marketing nation is huge was able to do not just the information approach, but that sense of belonging. Um, there's other companies where I work for where it's just going to be still anchored in time, kind of a, a product orientation. So. My buddy Esteban Kolsky, he, wow, he tells you you're right. I, I never get those words from him. But, you know. <laughs> That's because I like, bought him a drink. He probably doesn't remember. Uh, <laughs> just, just to have, you know, themes repeat themselves. I bought him a drink in 2010. So. <laughs> wow, 2010? It's about time for another drink, isn't it? You know, maybe as things open up, maybe we'll all get a chance to get together and, and, and do something because it's been way too long since I've seen you, man. And, and this has been a great conversation. Um, anything, any last you know, parting nuggets you can leave folks with? And it comes to what what is like, uh, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. So we're entering the post pandemic kind of era. Uh, what is that going to look like from a community engagement perspective? Is there going to be something that happened during the pandemic that changes uh, the trajectory or the, the you know, kind of where we go when it comes to building communities going forward? Yeah, I think there'll be more integration of online and offline. I think people, you know, I used the word earlier, they're kind of rebalancing their life right now and trying to figure out how the two work together. Um, 
I think that, you know, audio, we you know, keep talking about audio, that's more of a factor right now. <laughs> I'm just reading the comment here, drinking. There'll be more drinking. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, there'll be, you know, if you kind of look at it like um, a balancing act, you know, there's X percent historically, it's just a 50-50 community offline, commun online and offline. I think, you know, it'd be a little bit more online now. I think the integration would be greater. Um, I do think these kind of you know niche groups, these niche communities, these uh, like-minded people will accelerate. I think that will continue to accelerate. But it's an exciting time. You know, if you're in the community space, the spotlight is on on all of us, so we can't mess up. Oh, there's John Reed. So John, I interacted with when I consulted to SAP many years ago. It's almost like old home week here, man. It's oh, like, great. <laughs> no, uh, it has been a great conversation, and, and uh, yeah, these guys. Some of the comments here are just really great. These, a lot of these folks are just very knowledgeable in all things uh, CRM, customer experience, uh, you name it. The, so, final thing: Do you think that uh, I, traditionally community has still been very separate from CRM, generally speaking? I mean, of course, there's an integration point, but it's always been kind of a different thought, even though there's a there's been some kind of integration between the two. Do you think we're getting to the point where it's not a different thought? It, it, it has to be much almost sort of like built in foundationally as opposed to bolted on and strapped on later? I think we have a lot of work to do in this space. I mean, some platforms have pretty good integration. You know, Salesforce is doing some interesting stuff. Higher Logic's doing some stuff in terms of like trigger engagement but in terms of getting the community behaviors integrated into a crm or into a engagement um, strategy i think we're at the very beginning wow I, I i think you're right unfortunately but i hope that we're not going to be operating on like some kind of ice age time frame uh with this because i think it's I think the one thing that the uh, you know, pandemic has shown is that you have to be not only agile, but you have to be quick and being able to adapt almost overnight because customers are beginning to expect it. And if, if your focus is on building long lasting relationships with customers, then you gotta you know, actually start looking at not only getting them on board, but how do you maintain and extend and deepen the relationship and community seems like it should be an obvious component to that at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading the comments, you know, so I totally agree with you. You know, there's reviews, but this whole, you know, you have people coming to your site. Like when I look at the engagement numbers, people coming to the community versus our academy versus other platforms, you know, it's almost double, right? So these people are coming to your site, they're taking an action. So how can you take that action and use that um, with your other marketing programs, your CS play, your customer success plays, your support initiatives. And I just think there's a lot of work to do there. And if I can take a minute of your time, um, you know, when I was at Marketo, this is something I thought a lot about. So I actually spent the next two or three years um, kind of, I'll say, uh, pivoting a little bit in my career to focus more on CRM and growth marketing because I found that as a community person, that muscle, the CRM muscle or the engagement muscle wasn't where I wanted it to be. And so, um, you know, working closely with Salesforce, you know, working closely on HubSpot projects. And so I think there's a huge, you know, so I made a conscious career decision to kind of take my sabbatical for two years and focus on engagement and growth marketing. And now 
come back. And I think that's a huge opportunity for anybody in this space to think about how your community engagement ties to your CRM system, how it ties to rev oper revenue operations or marketing operations. It took a two-year sabbatical. That's kind of cool. And then you came back ready to roll and firing, man. This is great stuff. That's right. That's why I didn't call you those two years. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had something I said, man. You know? <laughs> hey, Scott, this has been great. Uh, if there's any place you want to point people on the web to you know, learn more about some of the things we talked about, where should they go? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, respond to everything. You can find me in the HubSpot community. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Tell me how I can help. Awesome. All right. And I can't, I cannot wait now that we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Eventually, you know, we'll actually be able to do some something like this face to face, maybe over drinks with Esteban and John, you know, maybe Donnie will show up. Cause I think Donnie lives pretty close to Esteban. A lot of you guys are just out west, you know. So I have a ticket to Atlanta. <laughs> nice. You don't want to come right. It's starting to get to the ninety degree weather. You might want to hold off on. Okay. On that for a while. Wait to the fall. Wait till <laughs> <All right>. the <laughs> Hey, this has been great, Scott. Thank you. Thanks again for doing this. And it will not be fifteen years between this one and the next one. I, I promise you that. It's great to see you again. Thank you. All right. Take care. And you guys, thanks. And stay tuned because tomorrow is a cool one. We're talking customer advocacy with a couple of really smart folks uh, from Asana and Google that are leaders in the space. And then Thursday, we're doing CRM players. And Scott Nelson uh, for a practice VP from Gartner is going to be joining us. And I, I don't think he's ever like done anything like this before. So that's going to be a fun one. But anyway, thanks for joining me. And I will see you tomorrow if I can only end this broadcast. This is the BBC. <laughs> <laughs>